This episode is all about the Ultimate Garage, and very soon we'll find out what is in Spike Ferriston's Ultimate Porsche Garage. But have you ever thought about what your Ultimate Garage would look like? I often think about this, and honestly, I probably spend too much time thinking about my dream garage. I mean, would it be too wide, too deep, but high enough to have four lifts so I could have eight cars in there? And then do I need to make it 10 feet deeper so I can put all my lawn equipment and all that junk back there as well? Or do I go with a classic red barn kind of look? Or do I do something kind of modern? Or do I do something that matches the house? I don't know. I go down these rabbit trails all the time. But I can tell you that no matter how imaginative my dream garage is, it is nowhere near as impressive as any of the garages I see at metrongarage.com. So if you really want to be inspired and you want to have some garage envy, just go to metrongarage.com and check it out. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. Welcome to the Collector Car Podcast. Uh, I've got a really fun guest today, Spike Ferriston. Spike, how are you doing today? I'm all right. How are you? Good, good, man. I appreciate you being on the podcast. I'm a big fan of your podcast. And uh, could you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Uh, Spikes Car Radio. Um, we are a entertainment and cars and comedy podcast that uh, tries to replicate our cars and coffee or Sunday, you know, cars and coffee conversation on the porch at the Malibu Kitchen. So uh, what you hear in the show is generally what you may have seen us chatting about the years prior before there was a podcast, my <laughs> friends and I. So now we uh, like to leave it NPC open for the listeners at home. Yeah, it's really great. I really do enjoy it. And you guys really dig into stuff and Suckerman's hilarious. You guys are, I don't know, your chemistry's great because you both seem like really great guys, but then you kind of fight like a married couple. Yeah, we're old friends. Yeah. <laughs> we're old friends um, and we're friends long before this. And uh, we're right around the same age. We're very different humans. Um, I'm not a criminal like he is and, uh, or a predator and I'm trying to teach him how to be human. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. But we both love Porsches, um, which makes it a lot of fun. We're both crazy about cars, uh, especially Porsches and we, uh, share cars a lot. And you know, that, that is, uh, what, what really keeps us together is that love of, uh, old cars right yeah and i was listening to i guess it was last week's episode and uh you were kind of recounting how you kind of quote unquote got away from the police <laughs> and you felt so guilty about yes. it and he was basically telling you get over it <laughs> yes yes i had pulled over and the, the police overshot the street where i pulled <laughs> over and then i thought well <laughs> there's a plausible deniability here they it looks like they weren't pulling me over, so why why am I sitting here waiting for them? I'll just continue on. Well, not the same way home I was going, a different way. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly different. <laughs> and then I was so thrilled when I got away that I called Zuckerman, and he said, uh, he goes, do me a favor. When they find you, 
and they start beating you with their billy clubs, call me so I can listen. <laughs> listen to them beat you. <laughs> That's Zuckerman. He wasn't joking either. <laughs> right, yeah, true friends right there. <laughs> a good friend. I would do yeah. the same for him. Now, I will have to say, you guys are a big influence on my second car purchase. I had an old, well, not my second, but I had an old 66 Mustang convertible I loved, restored, and I just wanted something different, and uh, I decided to get the opposite of a 66 Mustang convertible and got a, a 99 911. So it's my first 911. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. And listening to you guys was a big thing about it. It was more about how when Jerry was on the show one time, he talked about why he liked 911 so much. And the way he put it so succinctly, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. What What did he say? Do you remember? Yeah, it was basically, well, you know, the engine's in the back, so you don't have the uh, you know, big iron block on the front that makes the steering heavy. So the steering's light. Mm-hmm. The, there's no engine. So you can see either corner of the fender. So you have a great view. Uh, there's no dry mm-hmm. shaft that you lose power and responsiveness because, you know, everything's right there at the rear wheels, rear wheel driven. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything he said was just like, oh, I never thought about it that way. So. Yeah, he really sold you on the car. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he sold me on a 99, but when I was shopping, that was about what I could afford. So, and I really do love it. You know, it's probably one of the most common comments I get from folks who come up to say hi is, you know, you're responsible. Your your <laughs> podcast and you are responsible for me buying a Porsche, you know, and I still haven't figured out how to make money on that transaction because <laughs> I, I know I'm selling a lot of cars, but I'm always happy when... You know, I can pass that along to folks because it's really David Letterman who did that for me, who, you know, saw me driving a Maserati by Turbo when I was writing for his show. And he said, you're, you don't know it, but you're a Porsche guy. And I was a little offended by that. I thought that's not the type of human I want to be. I don't want to, I had only, you know, gleaned what I knew about Porsches from, you know, the bad guy in movies, the jerk, the country club, you know, idiot. And he said, no, it's not that. That's a movie thing. It's about a singular driving experience that you will like, like a go-kart with nothing extra. And he put me behind the wheel of, a, I think it was an 89, and I went, now I kind of get it. Right. So, I, you know, I'm happy when I can open someone's eyes to that driving experience. You can get by everything you thought you knew about them and, you know, get in something that, you know, forget about the money and what it's worth. This delivers some happiness to you, you know, on a drive. And right. you know, Porsche has a uh, enough variability in what they've been doing since the '40s. To uh, you know, they're mostly affordable all over the place, right? right? You can find a car that's close to affordable these days. My '74 that I bought, my first one, I paid. I remember it was six thousand four hundred and thirty dollars, <laughs> which is still a lot of money. But right. you know, it was a mess. It was a wreck of a '74, the wrong year and the wrong color, sepia brown, with two hundred thousand miles, and I've never been happier. <laughs> I got behind the wheel of it and I went, oh, this is the greatest thing I've ever owned. And I still feel that way. You've talked about it often on your show. What's your uh, Taproot car? That car. Is That's it that car. car? Okay. Yep. Oh, yeah. The first, the Taproot is the, the, the first car that you can afford and buy that sets off a collection. Um, that, and it may not even be a car that you keep. Like I said, that car was a piece of junk. But it worked, and I would drive it from New York out to Long Island. You could rent a house out there in the winter because it wasn't in season for next to nothing. So, 
you know, we would drive it back and forth to Long Island. I would drive it to, to, to the, like, down Wall Street area on the weekends. I would drive around New York City in it, and more often than not, it worked. But by the time I got it out to L.A. and I needed air conditioning <laughs> and pieces were falling off, and, and, and then Jerry saw it. I didn't know Seinfeld at the time, but he was my boss now. I was writing for Seinfeld, and he said, that is the, the right idea but the wrong example. <laughs> you're getting close. <laughs> he said, uh, yeah, he goes, I love the car, and I love that you're into it, but you really, that you're going to die in that thing. Look, and he, we're underneath it, and there was, you know, the suspension was falling apart. It was a wreck. So, you know, I saved up my money and, and uh, bought a Boxster. Uh, that yep. was my first uh, move, my very first new car that I'd been planning to buy since the Letterman days when I saw the photo, and now I had a little money to, to do it. And then uh, shortly after, toward the end of the Seinfeld run, I bought uh, a 73 911T. And then I was, like, home free. That car just delivered everything that the 74 couldn't deliver just because of its condition. <laughs> so, right, right, um, yeah. You know, I've been in love with those 911s. That's, that's my personal kind of connection and story with those. And, you know, the other thing is just I feel most comfortable behind the wheel of a 911. Because obviously you were influenced by Letterman and Seinfeld. How do your tastes differ? Because I know Seinfeld's, you know, big Porsche guy. But how do, how does your, how do your tastes differ than those two guys? Jeez, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I always look at, you know, and I was just shooting with Jay Leno uh, yesterday and, in, and seeing his collection again and thinking about all of that. Um, because we were talking about Jay's cars and his beautiful collection versus Jerry's, which is very curated and uh, Porsche-centric. And then Dave's, I happened to just chat with Dave last week, but after I hung up, I really, I, I didn't really get to what I wanted to talk to him about, which was, you know, of the cars that he collected back when I was writing for him in the 90s, what did he, what did he still have and what was he still into? Because at the time he had not just, you know, 911s and a 356. He had a Ferrari Dino, and he yep. inspired me to buy a Ferrari Dino back in the day, which I had for many years. He also had a bunch of Austin Healy's, um, <laughs> a bunch of them. He was really into the Austin Healy brand. And then, you know, you look at Jerry, and we all know what he has, but then he likes to play in the Volkswagen uh, sandbox, and then he's got an MGB. He's got some funny little cars you know, that he loves just as much as, as kind of the big dog cars. And I think when I look at what I like, you know, I, I like old Ferraris. I'm, you know, I, I love new Ferraris. I've just never bought a new Ferrari. Right. I'm an old Ferrari guy. I, I like old Land Rovers because, for me, that reminds me of Massachusetts and, you know, driving, uh, you know, four-by-fours on the beach and chasing bluefish. There's room in my collection for an American car. I haven't figured out what that's going to be yet, but I wanted something that reminded me of high school and, you know, my blue-collar uh, hometown of West Bridgewater, Massachusetts, which was all American cars. So, uh, you know, I don't know. You know, you'd have to really ask them that question, what kind of makes them tick. But they are very, you know, they, they, they are different. Everybody has a different thing that they're doing, and I don't think anybody's quite quite sure of, of what it is. It's hard to it's hard to nail down, right? You just start collecting stuff and buying and selling, and you know it has a life of its own. I'm sure you don't know this, but if you go back a number of episodes ago, I actually interviewed Brent Fagan, who sold Jerry his one of his very first Porsches. It was a blue Speedster in the early '90s or late mid '90s, out of like Kansas City. So I actually interviewed him. Yeah, I, I realized, the car. You remember the car? 
Is it, it, one had a red interior and one had a tan kind of baseball glove interior. He had two of them. At yeah, the same time, it, they were mice, mice and blue, right? Yes, yeah. And when I interviewed him at the time, I didn't realize that he had sold Jerry his car. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's oh, kind, of yeah. neat, kind of neat. So a local guy. Those are two beautiful speedsters, one which was pristine, and the other had been beaten up a lot and crashed a lot and then had been crashed on the Seinfeld lot by a oh, stagehand wow. backing up a forklift. <laughs> so it continued <laughs> its crashy life. And I think both of those cars, I know he sold both of those cars, and one of the two ended up at our Malibu Kitchen Cars and Coffee about a month ago. I oh, saw wow. it parked right out front, and the guy came up and he said, this is Jerry's former car. Oh, wow. Okay. It would have been the nicer of the two, because I do recall he had it totally restored. Uh, so yeah. it would have been yeah. the nicer of the two. Yeah, that's really cool. So if you could pick any one car out of either Jerry's collection or Jay's, not counting the F1, because I know you just did a massive drive in that. Yeah. Why can I count that? I don't understand. Well, because everybody already knows that answer. <laughs> <laughs> they do? Well, well, let's, I mean, to start with Jerry's, I always say to him, look, man, when you die, you're going to leave me a car. Goes, well, what car? This is a great conversation. Let's light a cigar up. You know, he loves to talk. And, it, and it's really hard to zero in on that car, you know, for a lot of reasons. And not that he's going to leave me a car, but you go, well, that would be way too much money to ask from him. But the cars I have a personal connection to in his collection are some of the cars I found or helped find uh, for him. Um, Steve McQueen's 917, I feel a personal connection to that car. There was a uh, Carrera GT356 that had been raced in Africa that he and I found in my neighborhood in Hollywood, you know, one wow. of 20 ever made, and it was sitting in, unre in an unrestored state with a box full of trophies in the front seat wow. um, okay. given to the grandson of the previous owner who didn't <laughs> quite know what it was. And Jerry and I saw it one day in, in the front yard and knocked on the door, and this cute girl in jean shorts comes out, and we go, hi. We, we went, whose is that? He goes, oh, that's my boyfriend, and we got his number, and eventually Jerry bought the car and restored it. It's a, you know, it's an incredibly rare car to find just sitting in a front yard. <laughs> uh, that car, I feel strong connection to. You know, he has, as, you know, there's so much. It's so, it's so deep, and I've driven so much of it. I would have said maybe the RSR IROC car, the International Race of Champions '74 RSR, but he sold that car. So, you know, I'd go with one of those. It'd have to be something that kind of reminded me of, you know, how much fun we had driving, you know. And so that would mean, that would eliminate the 917. So I'd probably say, have to yeah. say, yeah, it would be it would be something like that or even just a, 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 he's got a beautiful 911 RS lightweight, something like that. Okay. And then Jay, yeah, the McLaren. I want Jay's McLaren. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was super fun. And I have not experienced a, a car like that. It reminded me of the Carrera GT in that it was this mechanical analog experience in, in a car that looks like a modern-day you know, supercar and performs like it, yet you've got something to do while you're driving it. And uh, you know, the, the Carrera GT, boy, a bargain by comparison to that McLaren, which is, I don't know, 24, 25 mil right now. A lot, for sure. Now, yeah, okay, yeah. what about if you have two cars from Jay's collection? <laughs> 
two from Jay's? Yeah. I mean, do you know how vast his collection is? You know, having just seen his 73911E that he restored that's up on uh, Jay Leno's Garage's yep. YouTube site right now, I just saw that up close, Sepia Brown with Tan, which I had before. And by the way, I did not like it. Now I like it. I saw that car, geez, I don't know. He's And then he's got two beautiful murites just sitting there. And didn't he wreck one by bumping it into the other one? Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> Let me let me just go through back through my head and think of the things I just saw walking down that aisle. He had a Bronco that had a a GT five hundred motor that yes. Ford just made for him. He's got some crazy <laughs> stuff, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm a Porsche guy, so I I would just I would just go with the nine eleven eight. I would just go. You know, he's talked about that car a lot. He loves it, and that would be the one. Okay, no, that's fair. All right, well, that sounds great. Well. I, what I've done is I want to build the ultimate Porsche garage, and I want your input because you're the Porsche expert. So what I did is I kind of pulled all the social media channels to find out, you know, what would folks put in this ultimate garage. So I kind of went through all the results, okay, and I kind of I kind of whittled it down to the top ten. Let me give you a little personal perspective on this because once I was asked to do this list, sure, the the, the top ten cars, and. I involved, Jerry and I were on the phone for weeks. We could not get the list <laughs> below 25. It yes. was agonizing. It was so hard <laughs> to do. So the odds that you nailed it, because it, it's just too limiting. <laughs> Porsche is too great to be contained in a te- 10. It needs to be like a top 30. But go ahead. Give it a shot. Well, I know I didn't nail it because I got some little bit different stuff in here. So no let me just go down the list. It. No one can nail it. So all right. We'll yeah. start with that premise, but you can veto. You can veto a car out of this. All right, okay. so the first one is a 1995 911 Carrera RS 3.8 Touring. Okay, 1995. A 1995 993 Carrera yes. RS Touring. Yes, the 3.8. Uh, I, yeah, I, would, I would keep that car on there for sure. All right, we'll keep that one. Uh, I did pull some Haggerty trends. <laughs> All right, average value is $305,000, and in the last five years, it's actually up 15%. So there you go. Yeah, those are great. Second one's a a little tougher one to value. Uh an Emery three fifty six outlaw with the four cylinder. An Emery three fifty six outlaw? With the four Well, I love Ron and and I love his cars, but what are we talking about outlaws? You're including those in this? <laughs> in in my ultimate garage I am. But you can veto. You can kick them out. <laughs> I would have to look. I love Rod and I want to have him build me a race car, but I can't put him on the top 10 list because he is not he's a hot rodder and he belongs on a hot rodder list not on a top 10 list from porsches well it's an ultimate garage list ultimate garage like what you the 10 cars you want in your porsche garage would that not be one of them i guess it wouldn't be uh no it is it's something i currently want but you're saying (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna have to i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna put that on the cast that one aside for right now okay all right we'll we'll cast that one aside all right 1989 930 turbo. Uh no. It's a great by the way. It's an it's a, it's an incredible car, but no. How about the turbo look, but not the turbo. The M491. No. no? For me, oh. I would drop a GT2 RS in that position. Uh, that that to me is the ultimate turbo. All right, that's fair. All right. But again, yeah, I mean this is like Sophie's choice. You're making me crazy here. <laughs> <laughs> So the average value of the 930 is $99,000. It's down 31% in the last five years. So they've been taking a hit in the market. Yeah, right. yeah. But it get, but it's important to note, too. I mean, maybe, I don't know, your podcast seems to be about money. 
I don't think that way. I think about driving experience and just uh, enjoyment delivered. And the cars you're mentioning do deliver all of that. But if you're going for a top 10 garage, I'm going to have to hold you to a higher standard. Okay. What do you get? <laughs> I appreciate that. And it's actually, it's just more about the market trends, how they're doing in the market. So I see. All right. Okay. 55 Porsche 550 RS Spider. Yeah. Okay. Whew. Sure. I can't have three Vitos in a row. All right. All right. How about uh, 2019 GT3 RS Touring? 2019 GT3 RS Touring. <clears throat> um, GT3 Touring, you mean? Yeah, Touring. Sorry. Touring. Um, no. Man. The 911R has got it beat. You know, I had that in there earlier. All right, the 911R yeah. has a beat. Okay. Yeah, yeah, All it right. does. It just barely, though. I mean, it's, 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 it's thin. They slice the cheese very thin, but at the end of the day, the, the 911R just has a tiny edge on it. More collectible, right. a greater drive, and uh, a unique experience. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Actually, I was going back and forth between those two. All right. Uh, 58 Speedster. Yep. How about, yep. does it matter? Carrera or not Carrera? Well, yeah, it does. I, I mean, if you're, if pri- money is no object, you want a four cam engine would be <laughs> the way to go for of sure. Course. Yep. Okay. You have one of those, correct? Yeah. I have one with a, uh, with a Will Hoyt motor in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It. That put what? 40, 50 extra horsepower. It's 125 horsepower. And the rest of it is restored kind of uh, exactly as it would have come out of the factory. So it kept drum brakes and everything else on it. So it feels like a stock 58 speedster that just goes fast. (laughs) But it stops and steers just like it did when it came out of the factory. Oh, nice. Okay. All right. For the next one, I kind of wanted to keep it to a pure 911 in my book, uh, the 67 911S. Terrific car. Absolutely. But it would not be in my garage. Not in your garage. Okay. No, I found my top ten list, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you mine yeah, when we're done. Yeah, I want sure. All right, you can eliminate my cars. <laughs> the one I really wanted was one that was at the Taj Mahal Garage auction a few years ago. I don't know if you did you look at that auction at all, all the Porsche stuff. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a silver one there with like four thousand miles in documentation back to the guy like writing letters to the factory wanting a nine hundred one, and then delays, delays in it with a nine eleven S. You know, and that was the car, and it had like reams of documentation on it. So. And that was the 67? 67. If I had to get super specific. Yeah, if you could get that, that car, one. for sure. Yeah, I'd yeah. definitely put yeah. it in your garage. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about a 73 RS 2.7? Yep. All right. Terrific car. Terrific car. All right. All right, two more. Uh, getting into the newer stuff, Carrera GT. Yep, absolutely. All right, that was an easy one. There's nothing like that that Porsche sells. Everybody should have one. <laughs> That's got the V10. Correct. Yeah, they're just so rewarding. They're difficult to learn to get get around. But there's just there's nothing like it out there. Period. I think for except for the McLaren of Jay Leno that I've <laughs> been in um, that I can compare it to. Those are the two cars where you just go, wow. Those that's a unique uh, driving experience. I think Carrera GTs are going to zoom just like McLarens in value. Yeah, and actually, just to talk about money a little bit, uh, they're up. 30% in the last three years, so they are definitely taken off. <clears throat> you know, when I was talking to Jay, I think he bought his McLaren somewhere there, you know, in that, you know, Carrera GT money today, what those are worth, somewhere between six and eight. So, you know, and then now look where they went, right? So that might be the car to keep an eye on. Right. Yep. I totally agree with that. And then the last one is the 918 
Vysock. Uh, Jerry would agree with you for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but you but you would not. <laughs> I might not. No. I I love that car. I mean again, it's like I don't hate any of these everything you've said, I love them. But if right. you're talking about a top 10, I might not make that choice. But all let right. me take you through mine. All right. I want to hear it. Absolutely. Okay. Here's I this is a list I really sweated bullets over and it's <laughs> still I could I'm rewriting it as I'm looking at. I found it online and I'm hoping this is the same one. All right. So number 10 would be a 1979 11S, 2.2-liter model. For me, this was the ultimate early 911, light, rev-happy, sure-footed and fun. I had one in Conda Green. I miss it every day. It, it was an amazing car. I drove it more than any other 911, early 911 that I had. And I, and I loved the 73 RS, but the 70S has it beat for me. That was mine. Number nine, I picked a... 2007 997 GT3 RS. <laughs> so it's a manual gearbox, 0 to 60, 4 seconds. I happened to have one at the time, and I loved it, and I miss it. I would plug in any GT3 RS variant that you like and cotton to. I would put it in that spot, and I like them. Number eight is 914.6 GT, the racing uh. version of the 914.6. Yep. These, you know, I've been lucky enough to drive one. I've been lucky enough to chase cars through canyons, 911. Nothing can catch up with this thing. An, a properly sorted 914.6 GT turns on rails like a Boxster, like a vintage Boxster, and it's, it's just an incredible car that not a lot of people know about. I know the looks are polarizing. I love it. I think it's great. Seven, you, uh, you have, which is the 993 RS. Yep. We're, we're on the same page there. You don't have my choice number six, the 9083 open cockpit Porsche race car. <laughs> I almost had the 906 GTS, but then I thought, Ugh, I don't know about that. All right, so the 908. The 9083, and I, and I wrote a little thing under here. It says, like, is like having your head welded to the hood of a flat eight three-liter engine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Joe Sifford, Brian Redmond, Redmond famously won the 1970 Targa Florio in it. I think Jerry has the Gulf Blue, that Gulf Blue car. You can, you know, in, in a lot of cases, get license plates for these things and drive them on the road if you want. <laughs> so that also <laughs> makes me like it. Like, I like race cars that look like this. I would, you know, if I owned a car, I'd put a license plate on it, and I would drive it to Cars and Coffee. Number five, the Carrera GT, 5.5-liter V10. There it is, originally destined for Formula One racing. Now you can have it on the street, 3,000 pounds, 605 horsepower. I, I love them. Just make sure that your uh, rear shocks are properly sorted. <laughs> Otherwise, you might crash. Might bounce the wrong way, right. Yeah, you might bounce the wrong way. 58 Speedster, we're there too. Um, yep. Here I wrote, I like them more than my multi-million dollar 550. Yeah, I do. I've driven 550s. To me, 356s and the 58 Speedster is a better driving experience. It's not worth anywhere near what they're worth, but it's a better driving experience. Number three, I put my favorite car, the 74 IROC RSR. Um, mm. I find this car, <clears throat> just the steering, everything that 73 911 RS Touring delivers, this does better and lighter, and there's next to nothing in the interior. I think these cars are incredible. Incredibly fun on the track and easy to drive and just obscenely illegal feeling on the street, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which is exactly the type of experience I like. 
Number two, Steve McQueen's 917. Come on. Yeah, come on. Yeah. 220 miles an hour and a 917. You got to have a 917 in that garage, right? How many times has Jerry driven that car? He takes him to the track. We go. We take it around the track. Okay. It gets All driven. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, what he hasn't done, <clears throat> but I think Bruce Canepa did, is he, he put a license plate on it and driven it around. <laughs> because, <laughs> again, not a lot of people know this. You can put that on the road, and that's, to me, that's where all the fun is. You know, it's a little, you know, like the McLaren. You're a little inside, you know, uh, something that could lock you in and burn you to death. But <laughs> once you get past that, it's quite an easy car to drive. Just don't miss the shift. The number one car, which didn't I didn't have to think at all about this, but the number one car that I put in my top ten is the birth year, my birth year, 1964, and the Porsche 901 birth year. Kind of 63, but they call it a 64 901. It would be the very first 911, the beginning of the 50-plus year legacy of 911. <clears throat> That's the car I would want is uh, a 64 901. Wow, I wouldn't okay. care what color, just the beginning, the car that started it all as far as 911. So now that list is insane. That was insanely hard, and I, I'm pretty sure there were 20 more cars to jam in there. So if your listeners are going, you forgot this and that, you're right. You know, I would definitely put a Rod Emery car in there, absolutely. And the cars I took off your, your list, I would definitely put them in the hangar next door because you're talking about great cars. Let's say your top 25. Where does the 959 fall? Um, the 959 uh, would be in there, but it wasn't really my generation. It's not really a car, and I've driven them. Here's my little issue with them. They're so technologically advanced for the 80s that you, when you're driving the new 911s, they feel primitive. So they haven't, I haven't quite figured out how to enjoy that car. In the drives I've taken in them, I've never really enjoyed it because I've wanted the modern 911 more, and I, it's not exactly a vintage experience. So, you know, I, I find what Bruce Kennep is doing with them really interesting where he's goosing up the horsepower and turning them into kind of dragon racers. <laughs> You know, that might change my mind, you know, that modification. But, um, you know, it never really, it's not something I ever lusted over. I think a lot of that market was driven by the fact that you couldn't get them. And you'd right. hear the stories of the Bill Gates car stuck, um, uh, you know, at customs, U.S. customs. But um, I don't know. It didn't really, it didn't make me crazy when I drove it. Right, right. Okay. Now, of your collection you have, which one do you drive the most? Um, I've been driving the GT2 RS a lot. That was um, that's really one of my favorite cars ever that Porsche's produced. And then um, lately, the a simple 992 Cabriolet, the new 911. This new run of 911s has really blown me away. Zuckerman and I had one that we shared, and then we got bored with it stupidly and pawned it off on one of his his uh, partners, one of his lawyers at his firm, <laughs> which is a great place to get rid of cars, but we shouldn't have done it. So. <laughs> Then I was doing a promotion with Porsche Drive and the new Porsche Drive app, and that's the app that where you can rent 911s and you know get on this kind of month-to-month lease program with them where you get a car delivered and switch them out every day if you want. Um, and as part of that, I've been driving a 992 Carrera S, that uh, Cabriolet, that I've been loving. It's the first time I've had a new 911 that was a drop-top, and with the pandemic and everything going on, you know, it's delivering a lot of relaxation in a tense time. 
where I can throw the kids in the back and the wife in the passenger seat, and we can take a nice drive out to Malibu, and for 30 minutes, things feel kind of normal. So I'm very, you know, very emotionally attached to that car. And I've also been lucky enough to, to have a couple of long highway uh, drives uh, out to Palm Springs and then out to Willow Springs the other day where I got to know the car on the highway, which you know what that means. And, you know, I just <laughs> thought, boy, it, it really, it's got a great sound. It's got a lot of, for just a stock 911, just an incredible speed. So I don't know if I'm just getting old or or this new 911 really is as thrilling as I think it is, but, you know, I, I'm very excited about where these 992s are going and uh, and the introduction of the GT3, which is right around the corner. Right, and I heard it's not going to be, uh, it's going to be naturally aspirated. Have you heard that? Yes, yeah. They, right okay. now, <clears throat> it's floating. So it's funny, they, they follow the same pattern all the time, these you see these cars in Germany. You see the spy shots, if you will. And then there's one day on Instagram or Facebook back in the day where suddenly they're in Colorado up around Vail, <laughs> the Continental Divide. And someone takes a picture and they send them to you. or get to the... And then you know two weeks later they're going to be here in L.A. And just yesterday someone sent me the picture. Holy crap, I just saw this on Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> so the G right now as we speak, the GT3s, the prototypes are here in L.A. And I tried oh, nice. to get Porsche to bring them to our Cars and Coffee, which is Sundays at the Malibu Country Mart. And uh, they keep uh, writing back with smiley face uh, emojis and saying, no comment, no comment. So, <laughs> you know, I can't wait. I, I have heard that that gigantic wing on the back yep. is the wing we're going to get. Wow. That that's okay. uh, part of the deal. But that's exactly how it's going to look. There is no active arrow on it, I have uh, from uh, a good source. But, it, you know, it's going to be as it looks. So if you, you Google those spy shots, you're going to see that big wing. Yeah, and that's the one that showed up in the, what was it, the Super Bowl commercial? And people were like, oh, there's a GT3 in the background with that big wing. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But in, yeah. in, in the later spy shots of going around the Nürburgring, you look at it and you go, well, that can't be real. That thing is gigantic. But, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's bigger than a GT2 RS wing. But, nope, that's it. It's yeah, pretty badass. Yeah. I mean, these 992s are really amazing. And for me, it's not just the driving performance, but it it's the first 911 I've gotten in where my phone immediately starts talking to the infotainment system and there's no glitching going on. Everything's easy. Every knob is where I wanted it to be when I push. I haven't I haven't had to take out the manual to learn how to do anything. It just all works. It's, it's really quite an accomplishment. Well, for our listeners, uh, stick around and I'll go over some of the numbers as far as what it would cost to put this Ultimate Garage together and have it in your own Ultimate Garage. <laughs> It'd be a lot of money. But do play a little game at the end called Keep, Cash, and Crush. But before I get to that, where can my listeners find you? Obviously on the podcast. I guess you're going to have a Jay Leno special coming up here soon? Uh, well, yeah, we took our Zagato 356 Porsche onto Jay's Garage. And I don't know when they plan to uh, air that, but uh, Zuckerman and I went by there and I drove one of Jay's cars and he drove the Zagato. Uh, Spikes Car Radio, yeah, available everywhere where you get podcasts. You can find it anywhere. And I'm uh, pretty present on Instagram. So if you ever have a question for me, you can follow me on Instagram and direct message me and I try to get back to everybody. Yeah, and I know you're a producer, correct? Are you producing any uh, car shows currently? No, the car thing, I, I work in comedy. <laughs> <laughs> the, car, the car thing, I have a very high visibility in the car world, but it's really just a hobby. 
you know, we do we do one podcast a week, and we do a lot of social media around cars. But my day to day is running my production company, and then you know, outside of that, writing comedy, so writing scripts, and you know, I'm writing a movie right now, and and that's you know where I make my money. Right. Okay. No, that's great. Well, like I said, I have a little game I like to play at the end here called Keep Catch and Crush. So I'm going to give you three cars, and ironically. Not by accident. Uh, they're from your list. Uh, and you have to tell me which one you want to keep forever, which one you're going to cash in, and then which one, which one you're going to send to the crusher. Okay. This is a horrible game. It is a horrible <laughs> game. <laughs> you're going to ask me to crush a Porsche. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Well, if it makes you feel better, just think uh, one, two, and three. All right, so the three cars for keep, cash, and crush. And like I, I was saying, uh, you can kind of rank them as one, two, and three. So if you don't want to crush one, okay. just be the one that comes in third place. Obviously, you got to have the Carrera GT on there. 356 Speedster with the Carrera engine, and then a 74 RS. I know extremely mean, but if you had to keep one forever, cash one in, and then metaphorically crush one, uh, what would they be? This is a horrible game. <laughs> this is why I don't edit out the silence. <laughs> oh, I keep cash or crush. Um, I mean, I guess the way the smartest way to go would be to keep the fifty-eight Speedster, right? Cash the seventy-four RSR, which may have appreciated as far as it's going to go, because that's going to be a two. Three two five million dollar car. Oh no! But then I'm crushing the Carrera GT. No, I'm gonna. I would have to keep the fifty eight Speedster. Huh. Well, yeah, I'm getting rid of two cars. You're making me sell two cars. <laughs> I know. That's, That's the problem here. <laughs> hmm. All right. Then I mean the Carrera GT I would keep because that's really going to deliver fun driving experience and it's going to appreciate like mad. In my opinion. Okay. Yeah, right? I agree. I would cash. Oh, this is horrible where I'm going with this. I would cash <laughs> the RSR because that's uh, that's seven figures. That's a lot of money. And we love to make money. Right. And then I guess I would have to crush <laughs> one of my favorite cars in the world, a speedster. But okay. there are more of them out there, and I could take some of the RSR money and buy Another speedster. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, that's really good. I like the fact you flipped it from uh, you're going to keep it to you're going to crush it. (laughs) So I like that. Yeah. Well, there are. I mean, there are a lot of speedsters out there, and, you know, you can can get another one. Yeah. All right. Well, awesome, Spike. I appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for joining us on the Collector Car Podcast. All right. Thanks for having me. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Spike. That was really cool to have him kind of veto some of my cars that are in my top 10. Now, to be clear, that was for my ultimate garage, so kind of ones I would like to drive. And I do love the ones that he uh, went over with us on his top 10. So I did want to kind of go over what uh, the valuations look like on the top 10 for my ultimate garage, as well as some of the market trends and kind of give you a total number as far as what it would cost to put these into your into your own Metron designed ultimate garage. So here we go. I'm just going to kind of rattle through these pretty quick. So the 1995 Porsche 911 Carrera RS 3.8 uh, average value is $305,000. Uh, 
in the last year, it's actually down 16.5%. The last five years, it's up a total of 15%. So over five years, it's gained 15%, but the most recent year has actually gone down quite a bit. The Emory Outlaw, there are no real comps for this. Uh, I just know that to get one today, probably spec the way I would want it. It's about $500,000. The 1989 Porsche 930 Turbo, uh, that's the one I mentioned earlier. Average value is $99,000. And this one's been hit pretty hard. One year decline is minus 16.7%. The five year is 30.6%. So uh, it de- it's been declining for five years and it's still declining pretty hard right now. Now, if you were to not have the turbo, this is really fascinating. Instead, got the 1989 Porsche turbo look. That option is the M491. So you have the flared fenders and it looks like a turbo, but it doesn't have the turbo engine. Those have actually appreciated. The average value is about $55,000. In the last year, it's appreciated 2.1%. I'm sorry, 2.7%. And in the last five years, it's appreciated 16.6%. Now, the, the 1955 Porsche 550 RS Spider, uh, weren't a lot of comps on this. The last three have sold for an average value of $3.6 million. I don't have any trends on this one because uh, there's just not that many that come to market. And then the 2019 Porsche GT3 RS is basically the sticker price of $188,000. 1958 Porsche 356 Speedster, the average value is $288,000. Over five years, they've been up 9.4%, but in the last year, they've actually declined 7.2%, so declining quite a bit. And then the 1967 911S average value is $170,000. Uh, It's been up the last year, 1.4%, and then over the last five years, actually down 5.4%. The 1973 911 Carrera RS 2.7, average value is $360,000. And unfortunately, it's been down double digits for the last year, three years, five years. So the last year is down 11.1%, and over the last five years, it's down 23.5%. The 2005 Carrera GT, this is one Spike thought would be going up. And it definitely has. The average value is $663,000. Over the last five years, it's gone up 12.3%, really going up strongly the last three years, 30.5%. And then the last 12 months, it's continued to climb at 1.3%. And one more, the Porsche 918 Spyder Weissach. Average value is 1.35 mil. The uh, non-Weissach is about 1.1 mil. So to have that Weissach package costs you a quarter of a million dollars. And this one is declining a little bit, uh, down 25% over the last five years, down uh, 2.9% recently. So the prices have slowed in their decline. So if you wanted to put all these together into your ultimate Porsche garage, all 10 of these cars, based on the average value, you would have to spend $7.55 million, which I do not have, which is why I only have one car in my ultimate garage right now. So as always, thanks for joining us. And I will talk to all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.